This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Doctor's Kitchen. Recipes, health, lifestyle. And then after the five-minute conversation of this guy seeming unbelievably interested in all of my very rubbish, I'm sure, thoughts... Some guy came up to me and was like, do you know who that was? I was like, no, I did try and ask him, but he wouldn't tell me. And they were like, that's Tim Berners-Lee. He invented the internet. No. Oh, (laughs) great. Welcome to the Doctor's Kitchen podcast. The show about food, lifestyle, medicine, and how to improve your health today. I'm Dr. Rupi, your host. I'm a medical doctor. I study nutrition and I'm a firm believer in the power of food and lifestyle as medicine. Join me and my expert guests where we discuss the multiple determinants of what allows you to lead your best life. Dan Murray Serta is my guest on the pod today. He is a multi-award winning serial entrepreneur who talks openly about failure, mental health, mental performance, and brain care. And today we have a really honest conversation about his startup successes and failures, what led him to create his latest company, Heights, Imposter Syndrome, and a ton more. And if you enjoy stories about entrepreneurship and how people sort of started in wellness, then you will love this episode. And the links to the lecture that we discussed by Professor David Smith of Oxford University on the potential use for B vitamins and omega-3 in dementia can be found in the show notes on thedoctorskitchen.com. And whilst you're there, do check out the newsletter and the seven-day free meal plan that I've got for anyone new to the newsletter. You really should be on the newsletter if you're listening to this because every week I provide a recipe as well as something to either drink, watch, listen, or read just a few minutes that will give you some inspiration about how to lead a healthier, happier life every single week. Do check it out. And if you haven't had the seven day meal plan, I'm going to make sure it's in the footer of every newsletter I put out. So if you're already a subscriber, don't worry, you will still get it. On to the podcast. Cool. All right. I mean, we we just do this freestyle, so you, you know the drill. You've I been doing a podcast for ages. I know the drill. Yeah, it depends, yeah. Depends you, what you want to ask. You're going to walk here, 
Yeah, but you I didn't. You didn't walk it. Yeah. Do you I know gonna, why? I'm, my first question: How your walk was going? to be. Yeah. Well, I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk off this. I've actually got. Funny enough, I'm for the first time meeting my colleagues at Secret Leaders. Uh, oh, I nice. I've been employing people there, but I've never met them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I've taken a day of holiday from Heights, and this is how some this is how someone like me spends a holiday: hang out with my other business. Hang out with the other business. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to walk there. It's not that far. There's London Bridge. Okay. That's actually okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, the reason I didn't um, is because I. Um, I've also enrolled in like a, basically an extracurricular class called okay. Community College because you don't have enough going on, mate. You've no, got no, it's a bit much. A couple but, of businesses, yeah, and the class the classes are twelve thirty a.m. to two a.m. because they're in America. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I don't, I don't want to turn up with bad sleep. So I'm going to like literally rinse the sleep as much as possible, and then I and then I was like, right, I have to get an Uber. No choice here. <laughs> but it was worth it for the sleep. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I would, I would recommend that as exactly. well. You don't Trying wanna... to find the way to, you know, get the balance, get the right? Balance, get the exactly. extracurricular neuroplasticity. Yeah, yeah. But also, you know, the the walking, the sleeping, you know, find the right balance in the next day. Yeah, yeah. And and try not to feel guilty about it. All well, that, that's actually I was going to ask you about that because you're pretty prolific on on Clubhouse. Yes. And Clubhouse tends to be pretty late for me. Like my bedtime. Mm. Like uh, just putting everything out in the open here, eight thirty to nine pm. Oh, it's early. It's very. I think you say nine thirty. No, no, no. I'm yeah, pretty but you're early. You're a five am, aren't you? I am a five am. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, all, yeah. All things, you know, you can't have it both ways. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah, but yeah. That, that's what's prevented me from from entertaining Clubhouse as much. But you, mm. you, you do. Yeah, Clubhouse but I don't do any. Bit. I don't do anything after ten anyway. Oh, okay. This community college is like a complete random. It's a one month course. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and yeah. it's like I, I'm trying to. Uh, We've got an audience at Heights, uh-huh. and I'm very interested in like, the science of audience to community. Okay. I'm like, our customers refer to themselves a lot as community, mm-hmm. but I'm very, uh, I'm very stubborn on this metric because I'm a bit like, you know, the communication generally comes from us, uh-huh. right? The newsletter comes from me. The communication comes from us. Like, that is an audience, not a community. Mm-hmm. So, like, there is a science in how we switch this stuff around. I just want to, like, learn the depths of it, and I yeah. found this course that's, like, amazing, um, but it's all US time zone. So I was like, well, for one month, I'll just do it. Let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I'm fascinated by the difference between audience and community because I think everyone can agree you want community. Yep. No matter how big that community is, you want a really engaged community that support each other, that understand each other, and that respect each other, et cetera, et cetera. How do you differentiate that and how do you create that, particularly right now where the metric is followers or listeners mm. or whatever? Yeah. So speaking about it from like a company level, everything gets defined um, by the num- like the thing that you're measuring. Okay. So if you go around, for example, um, saying the thing we're measuring is revenue, then your team will chase growth right. and new customers. Yeah. Right. That's as simple as that. If you chase engagement, for example, so engagement on our content, then like suddenly it dictates like we're trying to find out what content people engage with like is it podcast is it audio is it video do we need to invest more here you know are we stretched too thin um you know if for example community is a good one in terms of um comments can be a really great way of engaging uh or or thinking about community as a starting point um but the thing that i personally think um is if you're like if your ambition is to make a really great company, it doesn't need to be a community at all. Like most companies are not communities. But if your ambition is to be a really great company, then you need to be, as a founder, you've got to be quite brutal about your metrics, about what you've achieved and whether or not it really looks like the thing you want to build. So when we started Heights, um, we, we are following the strategy that we started with, incidentally. So we said, let's start with a newsletter. Why? 
they're free they're cheap mm-hmm. i'm not great at social media i'm mm. okay i have a bit of a love-hate relationship i don't hate it i just mm. can't be bothered to be on it a mm. lot and i don't get physical energy from it yeah right so you know you mentioned clubhouse earlier i do get energy from clubhouse right and the reason is because i'm in control i'm inviting people that i like, like a podcast right i'm inviting people i want to have an interesting conversation with about health and brain care amazing that's great i mean literally if i wasn't enjoying it i wouldn't do it yeah yeah but that works for me optimizing a picture with hashtags and filters and memes is not that engaging for me mm. um i enjoy consuming it yeah so i can't <laughs> yeah. i can't spend my time doing that and yeah. love it so the one thing that i do enjoy is writing and actually just talking about this from like a heights perspective i think it's something that would be interesting for listeners to know because i had a previous business which was in fashion and I didn't like being in fashion and I got imposter syndrome a lot. Um, imposter syndrome shows up uh, many times in, in entrepreneurship. Well, in all, in all environments, but it can happen a lot in entrepreneurship also by if you are quite successful, then the places that you go can be quite a big shift. So I promise I'm going to get back onto the point. No, no, this no, will go, make no, sense. no go ahead. Um, I got into a point with, with Grabble, which was my last company. We became the number one shopping app in the UK. We then got invited to lots of extremely ridiculous things like i was at buckingham palace oh, wow. three four times a year i met the queen like all of these things and the people that are in there are ridiculous compared to you uh-huh. right and i was like 26 27 yeah. so i felt very out of place and very stressed about it um and then you know the other thing that goes on if you run a startup talking about mental health and stress is you can't really predict what's going to happen and when. So one of my jobs was to be, you know, company spokesperson. So I'd go speak at events. I spoke at, there was a week when I had to speak at an event at Google, um, at Retail Week and at Wired. And I was at Wired, I was the keynote speaker in between Facebook and Google, talking about the future of mobile. That's how like exciting my company was at the time we were growing (laughs) super fast. And I had to go up and do the speech. Oh, and then the Thursday was TechCrunch, which is like the industry, like tech um, publication. They have an award ceremony called Europas, right? And we were up for best mobile startup of 2017. So I had this really busy week yeah. of doing all of these speaking engagements and then an award ceremony. And um, that exact week was when we literally internally found out like we definitely weren't going to carry on, be able to run the company, right? It was going to fail. There was no way that we could get out of this situation. Um like our cash burn was too high our investors weren't investing like everything was crumbling and usually if that happens in like a startup environment you kind of got to deal with it with your co-founder with your team and have those hard conversations i had to get on stage all week at these different events and it was like death by a thousand paper cuts because it wasn't like they were all on the same day it was like one on monday one on tuesday one on wednesday by the awards on thursday and i've got such a great visual representation for me um by the awards on thursday uh, neither me or my business partner went to the awards. It's worth saying that like we wanted this award. We did a vision board when we first started the company and actually we just wanted to be in TechCrunch. That's how pathetic we were. Um, had the completely wrong goals because we weren't tech entrepreneurs at all, right? So we were like, would it be cool to break into tech and then to like get in TechCrunch, which is like the hardest thing to do there. Um, so when we won this award, we won best mobile startup of 2017, beat Depop, beat Tinder, beat all of these other apps that were around. And we didn't go to the award ceremony because we were basically just too depleted and too bummed out. 
and we have a photo of our friend picking up the award with two fingers, two middle fingers up, <laughs> just based, basically at both of us being like, where the hell are you? You yeah. can't tell people why you haven't gone, right? Yeah, really yeah. embarrassing. So yeah. we've got the, the actual physical award as an amazing reminder of how ridiculous startup life can be with yeah. like the outside perception and really what's going on behind the scenes. So after my company failed, I'd like become acutely aware that I do definitely suffer from imposter syndrome. And I had this idea for Heights and we can come on to like why. Yeah. Um, I just want to book that, Mark, yeah, for a yeah, second because uh, that that imposter syndrome sounds mm. like it is genuinely be, you feeling like an imposter because in the knowledge that your company is failing, you're being given awards. It's both and- ways. It's also in the knowledge. It's like a shared joke where everyone's in on it. So being at Buckingham Palace is a great example we hadn't achieved anything to be at Buckingham Palace. I had this unbelievably embarrassing, like five minute long conversation with a guy who was asking me lots of questions in a very English, lovely way. He was incredibly charming and was asking me about the future of mobile and what I think about mobile internet and all this stuff. And I am literally a guy that basically had got lucky, done a few hacks, created a good app and it had gone viral is Mm. what had happened. Mm. So hardly a thought leader in technology. Um, I didn't ever tell anyone I was, right? So really not pretending to be. Yeah. Um, and then after the five minute conversation of this guy seeming unbelievably interested in all of my very rubbish, I'm sure, thoughts, some guy came up to me and was like, do you know who that was? I was like, no, I did try and ask him, but he wouldn't tell me. And he was like, well, that's Tim Berners-Lee. He invented the internet. No. Like, oh, <laughs> great. Glad I just told him about what I think about the future of mobile. He must have been like gone home and just laughed with his wife. <laughs> so much at the sky <laughs> that he met that thought he had a clue so that's kind of what i mean though did right? you have a man bun then as well no no right. no, no no i was i was i was quite well dressed for buckingham palace i'll tell you that much yeah. i'm quite i'm quite a, a quite a proud casual dresser even fancy yeah. dresser love yeah. love costumes love dressing up love being nice. a bit silly but mm. yeah buckingham palace is where i drew the line although it's worth saying that jimmy wales who is uh like the founder of wikipedia yeah. He turned up to uh, to Buckingham Palace. Every, he's the only person every single time that just like wore a t-shirt and jumper, whatever he wanted. He wore a Christmas jumper once. I was like quite impressed. That, that is quite impressive. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he literally doesn't take any money from the company. No, he's no. probably like the poorest yeah, tech poor, entrepreneur. Poorest, most famous. Yeah, exactly. For sure, for yeah, sure. yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so that, that, so yeah, the imposter syndrome sort of comes on, on two sides, right? It like can manifest when um, you know that you are on stage facing a lie that you is not appropriate to you know announce there because actually that's just embarrassing for yeah, the event yeah. organizers yeah yeah um and then the other one is you know when things are going well but they're not going that well as in they're going well but like ultimately there's a difference between growth and success and you haven't made it just because you're like the hot new thing. Yeah. And I, we were really actually quite good at like understanding that, but it is hard when other people that you admire are coming to you and mm. talking to you about what you've achieved and stuff and you don't feel like it's true. Yeah. So that all eats at you a bit. When I started Heights, I knew, so I knew that I wanted to go into a space. I didn't know what I was going to make. So we didn't know supplements or anything else, but completely blank canvas. But I was like the brain something right? Because I love mental health. I've always been into it. Um, I'd had this personal experience and I was just really interested in, I just want to work in the space of the brain. And that's all I could really communicate. I was like, I don't know if I want to be a psychologist or we should do an app or I don't know, but the brain is just something I love to learn about. So as soon as I did that, um, and because nutrition had been the thing that had like actually cured my mental health problem, I was like, 
I want to write a newsletter because that will be amazing practice, right? Like I said, it's free. Well, it costs like 50 quid to get a MailChimp account and then you're just writing and you're just building an audience slowly but surely. So I was like, I want to write a newsletter on basically neuroscience and nutrition, but I'm not a nutritionist or neuroscientist. Um, A, I'm like, on one side, I'm quite aware nutritionists seem to be viewed through two lens. Like one is that like anyone can be a nutritionist over a weekend, which obviously is true. My business partner did it to prove a point. Right. Um, <laughs> and um, and then obviously there's like the expert, like registered nutritionists yeah. that like really know their stuff. And then people really worship their word. Mm. And there seems to be a lot of disagreement mm. and some of the like basic stuff. But yeah. regardless, there are kind of like two classes of nutrition attitude, right? Yeah. I was very conscious that like I can be quite cynical about believing people's integrity on social media and i really didn't want to be someone that other people thought like who the hell is this guy talking to me about nutrition literally you're an entrepreneur stay in your lane you have no idea what you're doing which would be totally fair and then the neuroscience bit i mean come on like that is so far beyond my technical capabilities to understand i was like day one right day one of being like i want to learn this so what was really cool is having had my experience previously I was able to just sit with those thoughts and say, I know the path I want to go on and I know how that will affect my mental health because I know that whether it's true or not, I will tell myself the story every single day that no one trusts me, right? And that they shouldn't because, you know, it's one thing to trust someone on opinion, but when you get into like medical and health, like it's literally why people work so bloody hard to be like thankless doctors where like you're working so hard all the time, don't even get most of them on social media, right? They just work really well, hard. Exactly, don't get yeah. Enough appreciation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's some guy that's just going to read some things. So yeah. I like had all of this playing out. I knew it would happen. So I was like, what I'm going to do, I'm going to write a newsletter and I'm going to commit. It's the only thing that I know that I'm going to do is I'm going to commit to reading a science paper every week without fail, usually multiple, and then rewrite that science paper into plain English because I'm a good communicator and I know how to write. So everyone I learned whilst I was doing interviews, I learned everyone's like, oh, I love science, love, love science papers, love science. Yeah, it's like, what's the last science paper you read? Like no one's ever even heard of PubMed. So there's a lot of virtue signaling about loving science, but no one reads the stuff, right? And I can tell you, by the way, after writing 150 plus newsletters, we put the scientific link clickable link in every newsletter it gets like one or two clicks so right not that many people want to read yeah, the original yeah. science paper um they want the shorthand they want they the want, abstract want, yeah or, exactly yeah, yeah. so i was like my thing will be as of today i'm going to read science papers every day and i'm going to rewrite them in plain english you know in millennial speak with some lols you know a little sign off from me <laughs> a little bit about where we are in some the journey emojis. yeah exactly some emojis <laughs> some, some cat gifts um, and, um, and and make, make it approachable, right? So it's quite like, you know, bring it to a new audience. I like understand your audience. Yeah. Um, over time, I'll, I'll never be a nutritionist or a dietitian or a neuroscientist. But if I go from no knowledge to consistently doing it that way, then all the knowledge that I will have acquired will at least come from science papers. Now, as I've learned, as I'm sure you know as well, just because it's in a science paper definitely doesn't make it true because two science papers can argue with themselves. So you've got to be careful um, with the acquired knowledge you're getting. But at least I'm like, I've always said in the newsletter, um, you know, this isn't like just my opinion, right? This is like what the science paper says. So this is my interpretation of it. And here's the original paper. And this is why it's interesting. Um, so I started doing that with, funnily enough, 
recipes for, okay. brain, for yeah. brain food. Yeah. Um, I learned so quickly I'm an awful cook. <laughs> I thought I was going to do meal... My, my first idea was I'm going to do meal delivery boxes for like... Oh, really? Help, yeah, to help oh, like do brain, brain food. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. gotcha. Yeah. Um, because as you know, and as I learned, it is actually super hard to get the nutrients and you just won't on a daily diet. Like just most people are not going to gravitate towards just cooking things that are amazing for their brain. But I was like, if you can communicate how important that is, and then package it up and make these boxes and stuff that would actually be really helpful anyway other than super niche market uh learn so fast how bad i am at cooking i just don't have the patience for it like you've got such an art for it right you 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 could tell that you love it yeah no i, I, do, I, I love it for I, me I, it's like for me it's like you know just just just, just be done already I, I get i guess my sort of take on that is i'm trying to get people to love cooking even a fraction of the amount that i love cooking right and i, I want it to like i'm trying to be the medical jamie oliver Let, let's be straight I, like i want to make cooking <laughs> you're too kind i want to i want to try and like bring the joyfulness of cooking the 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 cultural celebration of cooking with the undertone of trustworthiness, evidence-based, clinical research, et cetera, with that sort of like, you know, as the foundation, but all the loveliness on top and trying to inspire people like you who perhaps don't feel like they have the time or the motivation or the culinary creativity to create uh, a meal for your brain or your heart or whatever. Um, so I, I guess it, it, is, it is possible, I think, but it takes work and it takes a lot of time compared to what people really need in the immediacy of the moment which i guess is what you're working on yeah but also just to come back to that for a second you know i'm so big on neuroplasticity right mm. and manifestation mm. i believe in these things that yeah. doesn't mean that i'm a lunatic it just means oh no we did you... a whole episode of manifestation yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so like this is the thing like, i you know you write down a goal i mean th- because I'm a, in business, I like to, you know, whenever like, my fellow entrepreneur friends are like, what a load of nonsense. I'm like, what's the difference between manifestation and a business plan? Yeah, exactly. There is no difference. Like you just use different language. But like as soon as you put numbers down on a spreadsheet and say, this is where we're going to get to, you've manifested something. You are responsible for figuring out how you get there. So you have to come up with a plan. Well, same thing with manifestation. You've got to have some idea of where you're going. So, you know, to this, I do believe, you know, could have followed that path of like creativity and cooking at that moment yeah. i could have picked to be anyone i want to be yeah. the same way as i can do that today yeah and, and and the reason why interestingly i've changed career so much like i was in advertising originally then i went into tech and now i'm in like wellness the reason i've done that is because i want to challenge my brain that i can be anyone i want to be as can anyone at any age and i think every 10 years it's a personal goal every 10 years i love the idea of entering a new industry and trying to disrupt that industry one way or another. And the best way to do that is to know nothing about it. So to give you like an idea, actually, I could say one more thing on this just quickly. The other thing is um, your approach with how you get people to do this. Um, Obviously, you'll have had to learn how to be comfortable in front of the camera and, and, you know, learn the pattern and what's engaging for people. And and I get all that. Um, But that's the thing. I think you... I think the way to people's hearts with the story, the way that you do it, I think it has to be personal brand. I think it has to be personal brand. Like, I think it's really hard to do that as a company and be interesting, really. Um, People connect with you and the way, you know, your charm and your your humor and the way that you uh, bring in cultures, right? That that is the shtick, essentially. Um, Again, like I... um, I work a little bit on personal brands, but like I am, you know, there is still at the end of the day, unless you're like a mega personal brand, there's generally more longevity 
in company brands simply because you know you can hand over the reins if you've done it well and you can move on with your life yeah right and that is harder to do like on an identity point of view Mm. it's harder to do with personal brands yeah and i think if you're a doctor which you are like that's actually fine because doctors find like a very true purpose in life and calling so you can like meander around in your career in the frame of being a doctor and in the frame of helping with health information i think with entrepreneurs and i've seen it a lot you know you get identity crisis a little bit as well when you get too attached to the thing that you're working on and it might not be the thing that you're interested in in 10 years and you have this whole and i've had it yeah you have this like crisis right of like who am i um and and it can be quite serious so i've i've tried to find a healthy balance i don't know if i got it right but a healthy ish balance of both being the spokesperson of my company and my brand and trying to make sure it's not all about me mm. because as, as well because I'm not a doctor. Yeah, yeah. Right? And I think that's super important. So, Well, it's interesting because it's almost a, a similar path that you took with your previous company because you, by your own admission, you said you didn't know anything about tech, yeah. yet you founded a tech company yeah, yeah, totally. that was so big. You know, you're having chats with the creator of the internet in Buckingham Palace <laughs> and you're being sandwiched in between Facebook and Google on a, on a tech run stage. Um, and w- what you're essentially doing right now, and I don't know whether this is part of the course, is I don't know whether an, it's an Austin Clion uh, uh, sort of strategy of show your work or building in public, mm. um, because that actually demonstrates vulnerability the, the authenticity of the journey that you're on and that newsletter that uh demonstrates to people that you're you know you're doing the work and you're, you're taking people on a journey with you yeah. that's engaging that's a narrative right there that i i i think is is key to building community yeah and i, I think you're right and that's the point when you when you think about community it's like trying to switch it around so you're completely right like building in public is exactly what we've been doing mm. so you know i um there's a lot of excitement around building in public in general but first it's worth saying that like i actually like building in public is cool this is one of those like tweets like yeah sex is cool but have you tried (laughs) well this is like building in public is cool but have you tried failing in public (laughs) (laughs) first 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 things first like i failed in public so when we failed i did like a public post-mortem on what we why we failed what we did i wrote this blog that went viral because mm. it was very brutal mm. on like these was that were, the one on linkedin no. yeah yeah, yeah nice. and these are the things that i've done that like that have uh completely contributed to our company's failure um this isn't on anyone else this is on me and these are like absolutely my observations and how we failed between that post and launching heights as a newsletter was about a year so there was a year of like, or maybe a year and a half of like, you know, not really sure where I'm going or what to do. Um, and in the meantime, um, like the impetus for starting heights, like why I even became interested, like it's very, very common story. Um, not, not the specifics, but my business partner and I had different problems at the same time. So he had really bad gut problems, um, from never having them before and was, hooked on simprove and just like really struggling mm. um and it was for him he's like a bit of a golden boy okay he's very naturally intelligent uh-huh. and like all this stuff right like top of the class and like did like economics at uni and got first and all that stuff um so he's very big on like his mental performance very big um like optimizing it and then gut problems are like an unbelievable hit on that so he was having all of these problems and having to start researching it I was simultaneously actually suffering from insomnia. So I woke up one day, ironically, um, and and couldn't get back to sleep. And 
had no reason why that had happened. So was this after you yeah, so closed out the company? Yeah, so it was after I closed the company. Mm. I was actually in a moment of my life where I was really happy. Things were fine. Um, I was getting married and, you know, yeah, we'd closed the company, but like it hadn't been like total financial ruin. And that's actually like partly it. Like we'd closed it like properly um, and hadn't like ground it down to the bone and all that stuff. Um, I was in a, yeah, just a moment in my life when, you know, it's worth saying like I practice gratitude. I am very like positive mindset. I'm a happy person, lucky. Like I work on my mindset and I'm like naturally geared towards, you know, thinking the best in everything. And I just couldn't sleep. And I was like, oh, well, never mind. That's annoying. And then I would, um, I would wake up at 2 a.m. and I just couldn't get back to sleep again. Um, and this would just happen on repeat. And the problem that I really faced was, you know, I'm going to fast forward a boring story, but like, you know, you, you will know this. I went to the doctor. Um, to explain this and he gave me sleeping pills did not suggest anything else other than sleeping pills um i went to a therapist a sleep therapist psychiatrist um i tried you know cutting out coffee having more coffee mm. cutting out alcohol having more <laughs> having alcohol more you just like name name anything yeah. that i was like willing to try uh-huh. but it never really occurred to me about diet because you know well, not your listeners, because your listeners are already on that journey, right? But I would never have discovered you or your podcast, just different interests. And that's what I love about podcasts like this is like, but then you also have to appreciate you're speaking to a very sophisticated, curious audience on the topic already that have that awareness. Um, so I was consider yourself more informed in general, thought I was informed. Um, I went for dinner with a friend and she said, uh, it sounds like you've got a brain nutrition problem. Have you thought about going to see a dietitian? And I was like, A, I have no idea what brain nutrition means. Like, what do you mean? And secondly, no, I haven't thought about going to a dietitian. No one's told me to. So she was like, well, just go see one. So I went to this dietitian and she was utterly uncharming, it's worth saying. Um, <laughs> just like very exasperated with my condition for me, about me, to me. I don't really know what her, her issue was, but I just always remember her demeanor. And she was just like, you, um, yeah, she diagnosed me within one minute. And the reason she did was because I was vegan. And I'd been vegan for 18 months, two years. I mean, like lots of people are now watching Seaspiracy, like, you know, when you work in tech, you've got to be an early adopter. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. You know, who yeah, are yeah, you? yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I'd watched Cowspiracy uh-huh. like 18 months before that and I'd gone vegan and I loved it, right? I was actually really into it and um, I was... My biggest challenge being vegan was just like the amount it would irritate my mum. Like, I'd go for dinner. Um, and I, that was basically almost made me give up just on the basis of I can't be bothered to deal with this chat with my mum ever again. Um, I might just eat a hunk of meat just to shut you up, but I didn't. Um, anyway, so, and then obviously the resounding I told you so afterwards was painful. Right, yeah, anyway, yeah. Um, I went I know, to... I know what that feels like as well. Yeah, so my mum, so yeah. So annoying. Um, so I went, I went to the dietitian and she just said, um, take these supplements. Right. Genuinely, she was just like, I'm going to prescribe you supplements. I'm going to prescribe you DHA, omega-3, uh, blueberry extract and B vitamin complex. And I was like, why? I already take B12. It's the only supplement I took. Um, but as you know, if you're vegan, everyone tells you to take B12. And she was like, well, you know, yes, everyone gets told to take B12. But like, that's just like scratching the surface of the things you're depleting yourself of. And also, by the way, your brain is 
basically made of DHA and you basically haven't had any in ages. And I was like, well, no, vegans get loads of amino, you know, the whole vegans get loads of omega-3 and that's the first time she starts explaining ALA, EPA, DHA to me, which again means nothing to me then, but everything to me now. So a bit frustrated because I'm a little bit like, you know, again, talking about identity, you know, like vegans, you know, that is an identity. It's a very strong pull for a lot of it's people. It's a strong pull, are, yeah. it's a community. I entered it from the angle of, and this is, I think, super interesting about veganism. Veganism is like, you know, a lot of people choose it for political reasons, environmental reasons. That's why I picked it. Not nutritional reasons. I never said, no one ever told me that being vegan was healthy for me or was better for my health. So the lens I became a vegan at was environmental. I want to be a better person. I care about these things. It's millennial stuff. So I did that. And then the rabbit hole, the funnel you go in is like, these are all of the nutritional benefits and advantages because now I'm just viewing things from the vegan world and that funnel down into these are all the reasons why being vegan is healthier for you and like everything in the world as I've learned some might be true some might not be true literally apply that thinking to anything and everything ever there is no absolute truth in everything if there was we would really know what is best for us full stop so um but quite far down the rabbit hole enjoying the lifestyle and she was just like you know (laughs) If you think you get so much omega-3, why don't you tell me what you eat every day? And I just gave her like my usual, you know, some falafels and some hummus and some tofu, loads of vegetables and stuff. And she's like, right. And where's that big plate of algae that you've been eating then? And I'm like, well, I don't. And she's like, right, so you don't sit around eating seaweed all day. And I was like, no, but I had some flax seeds in my breakfast. And she was like, oh. <laughs> so I, I want to meet there. this dietitian. I, know, I, was, I was just, <laughs> NHS dietitian, she's really, uh, her name's Chloe. She was not very nice, but she was extremely sarcastic and exasperated with me. So I was sitting there a little bit offended, obviously, mm. but also desperate, right? I have not slept in so long. Um, and I'm super anxious as well, because like, I always just think I'm not going to get it. It was all in your mind the whole time, just like a bit of a shell. Um, she... Um, she was just like, listen, just take these supplements. I'm going to prescribe them to you. You can't go to Boots or Holland and Barrett or any of the like high street places because they don't really give you what you need. You need high quality scientific dosages of these things. So don't skimp. This is exactly what you get. And you basically have to go to Whole Foods or Planet Organic to get it. Like you have to go somewhere like that or, you know, fancy. It's like, okay. So this was like, A, the first time I'd ever heard about cheap supplements versus expensive supplements. Uh A bit like when someone first explains wine to you. Yeah. And you're like, oh God, yeah. no, I'm never going to buy a five pound bottle of wine again. Very I realize good. that cost me one penny. That's a very good analogy. It's very the same thing. Analogy. It's yeah. like, it's tax, it's quality. Yeah, it's yeah. really interesting. So I, I ne- but it never factored in, especially as almost all supplements, like 99% of them are marketed cheap on the high street. So almost everyone buys them, right? So everyone's experience of buying supplements growing up and then ongoing is to buy cheap supplements and thinking that that is the normal price. Um, and I guess just to further that thought, just to be clear, the reason is there is, as I've learned, there's a difference between the marketing amount that you can put in and make a claim and the scientific dosage. No difference between the two in what you can claim. So if you put the right amount in according to science, you can't say any more than putting way less in. And the example that's easiest to share is seven C's because it's like no one's going to be offended because yeah. I'm not like <laughs> slagging someone off. It's the biggest brand of Omega-3s in the world. <laughs> yeah. But they're, they're Omega-3, they're DHA Omega-3 because this is what she told me to watch out for. Um, you buy it in Boots or Holland and Barra, it's 15 quid. And that's the number one bestseller on earth. You get 45 milligrams of, of um, omega-3 in there per day. But the scientific minimum dosage is 250. 
So you have to take that product for six days in a row just to get one day's worth of what you'd be recommended to take. But you don't see that as a consumer on the front. They legally have to say it on the back. So the interesting thing is when I share this on podcasts, I'll say this to anyone, they then go home and look at it. Yeah, they're looking. And they're like, oh man, <laughs> it's been there the whole time in tiny print. Yeah. But like we as consumers are not meant to know that. Well, we it's, have to get used to reading nutrition labels on multiple products, let yeah. alone supplements. But and, it's a piss yeah. take. It's, yeah, not, yeah. it's literally so not right. But mm. this is a big scam. And like everyone's in on it. I don't, I don't get it. But anyway, this is like one of the reasons I think why people are like, you know, supplements don't work. I don't feel anything. There's no impact, et cetera. It's like, turns out the price is pretty much exactly the same at Planet Organic and at Boots. It's just that at Planet Organic, they wouldn't sell you the bad version. So it costs like 30, 40 quid each. Feels really expensive. So I went, I went to Planet Organic and I spent 120 pounds on these three supplements, which I was like, that is so much more than I thought supplements were. And I've been getting my B12 from Holland back. I was like, what's going on? Um, but within a week it had worked. So, and when I say worked, so I had my first night sleep at 7 a.m. And then like waking up at 7 a.m. And then next, next day was like 7.30, next day 7.30. And I was like, because the first day it happens, you're like, fluke. Um, but anyway, it kept happening. And I was like, this is unbelievable. And you were quite, quite a skeptic at this point. Is I that, did not right? literally think, I thought supplements were nonsense. Mm. Um, but also like I'd been given medication, but medication hadn't helped me like long-term, right? Did you, so did you take this? Only once, oh, okay. only once. Yeah, yeah. But like, because I, I basically, I, like, I was going on holiday yeah. and I was like, I li- literally, I was just worried about why, how I was going to be. So I, um, I, yeah, I've actually still got the, think it's valium i still got it at home what he gave me you know in case of emergency but i don't know what that emergency is but this is the the thinking right is like he'd given me a band-aid but what i wanted was a solution right i want someone to stitch me up and say that over the long term this is going to work and therefore this is a long-term thing and especially like as an entrepreneur where you like you you understand the value of like building long term but a lot of things are short-term wins and you un- start understanding your customer as well when you understand how many people search for the short-term wins sadly on repeat, constantly failing at that short-term belief, like the limitless pill, right? So then we can talk about nootropics, for example, but the idea that people have about like, you know, instant cognitive performance, like suddenly I'm going to be like Bradley Cooper. And it's like- Well, it's the instant gratification culture that we've created totally. as, a, as a product of everything that we have touched with, with like social 100%, media and- 100%, yeah. like the dopamine hits, like, you know, mm. they don't help. Yeah. Um, but it's one- big lie and it's a shame because the truth is actually out there anyway which is the you know long-term improvements they take a little bit longer but they Mm. actually last for the long term too Mm. so i called up this dietitian in amazement excitement all this stuff i could not wait to tell her and she literally her answers were and i quote yeah i know (laughs) i want to meet her (laughs) just have a chat what, what do you mean she was like well yeah i told you they'd work and, and, and it was like, it was that moment when I literally that moment when I was like, I, I want to work in this space. And the reason is because, and the, she, the next words that followed were like a bit more instructive, but she was like, listen, I am a medically trained nutrition professional, right? I went to medical school for four years and studied nutrition. Now I work in the NHS. You told me your symptoms. I told you, and, and a dietitian cures sick people when you have a mental health disease. I cannot begin to tell you how many people come to me with mental health diseases, but especially vegetarians and vegans. And, and mental health disease, you know, big words, like it doesn't have to be depression, 
right? We're talking insomnia, anxiety, um, brain fog, like all of the things. They are like variety, massive spectrum, obviously, of what we can define as a mental health problem. Um, she was like, it is so easy to diagnose people that have predominantly plant-based diets that don't supplement. It's very quick for me. 99% of the time I'm right. So I knew that this would work. So that was kind of the moment when I was like, I am one of those people who like is lucky in life to be in the 1%, right? I run my own businesses. I choose my own path. I, I actually thought I knew about food, right? Um, I chosen a plant-based diet. And, you know, it's worth saying now that like, I'm not vegan anymore, I'm vegetarian. It's a slight difference, but, you know, still, I. it's not like I suddenly was like, right, that's it. I'm going to eat meat and fish and all this stuff. Instead, I was like, well, I'm going to understand supplementation. I don't have to give up all my principles. Um, I can instead ask the dietitian what she thinks is a good diet for me based on what she's seen and what I'm low in um, and then supplement the rest. And it was that like whole thing of I can't believe someone who is an expert knew and it was so obvious but the doctor, who's a different type of expert, never said go see a dietitian. That was not even suggested. And I don't think would have been. And mm. it was also why she was quite annoyed, yeah. um, by the way. <laughs> so so that, well, that, that, that scenario plays out quite, quite, quite a, lot, a lot, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I mean, doctors do not know. And that's because like how I, I listened on your podcast again, mm. like, you know, literally um, Dr. Shirzai, yeah, who was saying, you know, you go through four or five years of indoctrination um, and that your way is the way. But if you don't include more than three or four hours of nutrition on that, then how are you going to believe you, that omega-3s gonna... or supplementation mm. can have this? And that was talking about Alzheimer's, which again, we can, yeah, we can yeah. talk about. But yeah, yeah. it's so interesting. I mean, if you don't get taught something, how sure you'd be that it doesn't work. Yeah. It's not the same as being taught something that it does work. Yeah, exactly. There's like a, an inherent skepticism for anything that hasn't been covered in the medical curricula, which is why... Um, with with my nonprofit, I'm fighting very hard to to get nutrition as part of the core curricula across UK medical schools, as they are doing in the US currently. So um, ridiculous that you have it, to even argue I, for it. Well, exactly, yeah, and and it's strange that you know if I hadn't been pushing this message over the last three four years, and it's been a, a huge slog, we wouldn't have made a fraction of the improvements that we've already done thus far. And then also, I, I guess you know. Um, in working in a collaborative manner is is quite foreign, I think, for a lot of doctors across other professional uh, professions uh, in primary care when it comes to nutrition. With other stuff, you know, if you have a heart condition, yeah, sure. I mean, you go see your cardiologist, you go see your psychiatrist if you have a mental health issue. But with nutrition, because we're not taught about it, we don't understand the value of registered nutritionists, dietitians, and all the other professionals that we have, we should have at our disposal. It, it, I should point out, you know, in the UK, we have about 5,000 registered dietitians. So the amount of workload, if we were to start all of a sudden referring people to dietitians, would be absolutely unsustainable. And the other thing is dietitians, particularly that one, will see the tip of the iceberg, i.e. the really bad cases yeah. that have come through their doors. So I think for for her and for a lot of other people, it would be quite easy to just diagnose them. Like, that's a plant-based person. He's got insomnia. It's most likely going to be an issue. There are probably a whole load of other vegetarians and vegans that are, are thriving despite not having supplementation. And there is there are um, genotypes that thrive on the short-chain omega-3 fatty acids because of the conversion. Yeah, but that's a niche. It. it is a niche. You're, you're right. Correct. The, the thing that's actually quite annoying about vegan and vegetarian movement is that's unbelievably niche, Very but then small. it's used as the, as the example. Yes. Yeah, and that's no, I, really I bad because that's yeah. basically what people like I believe. Yeah. 
Um, that's like not even 1% of people that have that. Um, yeah. So that's very, it's like, it's so completely rare. It's much more normal that you would not be able to process uh, short chain Omega 3s like everyone else and therefore should supplement. And that to me is like a perfectly responsible and reasonable way. And this is the thing that I find so odd. Isn't the goal of encouraging people to live more sustainably um, so let's remove the label vegan and let's just say plant-based or more sustainable living. Isn't the goal to have more people sustain that lifestyle? Like most people that have an experience like I do go back to meat. So what is the point in educating someone like me so hard um, to then screw their health up so badly that they then literally believe a new truth, which is that plant-based is bad for me. Therefore I eat meat. That is just like... The, the the goal is is to get more people to make more sustainable changes yeah. that they can live healthily with. You, you see that being played out quite a bit in America. There's quite a few um, vegan ex vegan doctors that have gone down that plant only approach and then found themselves horrifically deficient in a number of minerals and vitamins led to symptoms and they've gone the other way which has gone paleo or whatever you know and it's it, it's so ott that. Uh, yeah, yeah exactly and that's why you get these these fights that literally play out on social media and then you have you know the public that are just trying to decide okay what should who should i be listening to am i going to be in this camp or that camp like what what, what is the best way for me um and i think yeah giving people options and at least highlighting to people that there are some symptoms that you should look out for if you choose to go 100% plant-based or not um, before you entertain, you know, it as a long-term pragmatic decision for your health. Yeah, totally. And this is the thing, like, I, you know, it's an interesting one, but it just does never, ever gets talked about as something for your mental health. Mm, yeah. um, but it is clearly a thing, and she pointed out it was, and, uh, you know, obviously now that I've also been researching and uh, and creating these newsletters for Heights, um, you know, it comes up a lot. And actually, you know, nutritional intervention is uh, plays a big part in things like, so, you know, not just speaking about mental well-being, but then talking about dementia and Alzheimer's. Yeah, there's an amazing um, bit of research being done at Oxford University by Professor David Smith. So he's the head of pharmacology there. Basically, he's got this, mo- it's not out yet, right? So it's still halfway through the trials, but it's been going for like seven to 10 years already. So it's quite a long trial. And he has patients that he, um, like thousands, obviously, this is a big study, uh, where he's been able to prove that a high dosage supplementation of B, uh, what is it? Oh, no, it's actually it's, it's B vitamin complex um, and DHA omega-3 has reversed, not just stopped um, Alzheimer's and dementia, like build up like the towel, right, basically on the canopy, not just um, stopped it, but started to reverse it. And that is... You know, and he, his theory, and it's so interesting, but his theory is, you know, one of the things that happens, obviously, when you get Alzheimer's dementia is, you know, a lot of it's like location, spatial awareness and stuff that happens in the canopy and the towel break up or just basically stop the transmitters speaking to each other. So actually, if you look at it from a brain scan point of view, Alzheimer's makes loads of sense. It's plaque. Um, so how do you stop the plaque? And so his whole thing is, well, um, everyone's brain, like fundamentally from the age of 25, everyone's brain is shrinking. And it shrinks from the canopy down, right? So the canopy being the outer layer. I'm not saying this for you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Never, never remind me that I tried to explain. No, that's all right. That's <laughs> all right. Um, go ahead. But you know, so for the outer layer, like down. So like you know, our job is to protect as much of our brain as possible. So therefore, feeding it as regularly as possible is is the right idea. And what is the brain hungriest for? Well, as our hungriest organ that you know takes up all of our energy, etc. Really, B vitamins and omega threes. When it all comes down to it, when it all is said and done, that is the majority of what it's like feeding on hungrily. Um, therefore, the more that we can give it the better it will be, the better fed it will be. And potentially what we can actually do is start to like reinvigorate some of those synapses. This is amazing. So I, I, I can't believe I haven't come across this. So David Smith, I've got to, I've got to look up the study. Yeah. And were they established Alzheimer's patients yeah. before the trial started yes. and they've been given- Well, he's got, he's got a variety. So what I'll do is I've got um, actually, uh, it's a very niche, but on our Heights YouTube channel, mm. I, it's, bear in mind, so, okay. So I've got a video of him presenting this information. Okay. Um, and my caveat to you is like, uh, he's, it's, oh, and you're a doctor, so it's fine, but like, it's quite stuffy. Okay. Like, so it's, like, it's all in Comic Sans. <laughs> okay, the whole yeah, presentation yeah. is in yeah. Comic Sans font. <laughs> it's not the most, oh, you'll love it. It's it sounds hour, like a normal academic yeah, yeah, yeah. conference. It's an hour-long <laughs> presentation that you will love, but we get lots of emails at Heights with people asking us, like, will this help for Alzheimer's, dementia, et cetera? And obviously we're very like, listen, you know, we're not making any medical of claims. Course, yeah, we wouldn't yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah. But here's some research. And we mm. were lucky enough to film this guy because he was doing this talk in London. And I basically, as an entrepreneur, you do this, right? Like I'd followed his work. And I was like, can we come and film it? We had no company, nothing. We literally just a newsletter. But can I pay for a videographer to come and just film your talk? And we'll put it on our YouTube channel. It's the first video that ever went on our YouTube channel. It's got like 200 views. No one watches it. But it's good for us to have it there as like a point. So if people say, is there a thing? It's like, listen, if you've got an hour to watch this video, these are all of his findings from his current study at Oxford University. So it's super, super interesting. And I'm so glad we did that because yeah. you can't really get the the study because it's midway through the study. Right. right? Yeah, so you can't, yeah. there isn't like a published thing yeah, gotcha. that's available to everyone. Otherwise it would be yeah. highly impactful. But in this talk, you know, he does talk a lot about um, the thing about supplements that's interesting is like they come from food, right? They come from nature. You can't patent anything that comes from nature. So it's very anti-pharmaceutical industry. And I'm not making a political statement. I'm literally trying to state a fact. Less so the UK, but certainly around the world. The medical industry is highly reliant on and, in, and, and deeply intertwined with insurance industries and pharmaceutical industry. There's nothing we can do about that. They are a beautiful gift and curse. But it's stuck, intertwined there. So there are like, if you imagine lobbying, if you go up a level as well, there are plenty of financial and incentive reasons not to have people study nutrition, well-being, and get off the healthcare system or sick care system, if you will. Like, well-being is a fascinating industry, uh, wellness, like amazing industry, 100% going to improve everyone's lives around the world. And I think it's so awesome, the work that people like yourself and anyone that like goes on social media and talks about helping us like live healthier and happier does, but it is anti and threatening to the establishment and the established ways of working and that's totally not to say we don't need doctors we don't need hospitals we need all that stuff but this is kind of where you know when i was listening to that podcast from you again this is where you understand some of the resistance there is indoctrination um it isn't intentional it's systemic it's the way the system works and so you know why educate more people about nutrition like pharmaceutical companies cannot monetize that there is literally no incentive. And so it's quite hard when a whole global industry works that way and there are people working outside it and wondering why change is so hard to happen. Um, it's because there's like 
a million um, unspoken, basically complicit deals and agreement that this is the way things are, so therefore this is the way they will always be. Traditionally, uh, that's definitely the viewpoint um, that has perpetuated throughout medicine, which is why we've essentially seen a pharmaceutical model of, of healthcare. And that's why I believe, in part, why nutrition hasn't really been looked upon favorably in the curricula. However, I think things are definitely changing. So to your point about investment in research, you know, during my master's at um, University of Surrey, uh, uh, the nutritional medicine master's that I'm doing, they've literally put grants in for millions of pounds and studied vitamin D and uh, omega-3 as well, with, with some positive as well as some negative results, as well as, uh, you know, things like uh, supplementation with orange juice and vitamin C and all the rest of it. So there are some really interesting studies looking looking at that kind of stuff. Diet is traditionally very, very hard to do, as I'm, as you know. And just for the listeners, you know, it's exceptionally expensive. It's very hard to regulate. How do you choose the right macro combinations, calories? How do you make sure they eat it? How do you deliver it to them, et cetera, et cetera? Um, and then also, there is a, a new sort of welcome discussion around nutrition uh, amongst medics because we realize the root cause of a lot of the lifestyle-related illnesses that we see in both emergency and community care, primary care, and you know secondary care as well, are caused by poor lifestyle. So we do need to entertain that that conversation. Um, so I, I think things are definitely changing for for the better in that respect. But it's how we do that, and I think one of the the issues with supplementation in general, and I'm glad we're having this this chat, um, is that it's seen as a bit of an elitist sort of uh, cherry on top to an already healthy diet. Mm. And if you're if you're if you're wealthy enough to afford good food to put on your plate and then supplement on it, then you're not really the person that we're trying to look at. We're looking at, you know, the millions of people who are food insecure or who don't know anything about brain health and what a brain healthy diet looks like and, you know, are, are, are succumbing to high cholesterol and cardiovascular disease because of the food availability options that they have in their own communities. Yeah, these are great points. Actually, there's a few things in there that are like, super interesting to unpack. One of them, and I'm not a food expert, by the way, but as in not like in how they're grown and stuff. But one thing I will say that's so interesting. Like earlier, I told the story of how, you know, I end up buying my supplements and Planet Organic and they were extremely expensive, etc. Um, when I was further down the line, so after we developed our product um, and, you know, I, we developed it, yeah, again, very aware, not a nutritionist, not a neuroscientist. So the chair of the BDA, uh, you know, Sophie Medlin is our head of nutrition research, Dr. Tara Swart that you've had on, you know, she's our chief science officer. You know, these are extremely, extremely credible people. And my job was like, who are the most credible people that you can get involved in designing a product like this? And how and why do they choose these things? And how do you get them to work together? Tara is a neuroscientist with a neuro, uh, neuropharmacology PhD. And Sophie literally like works both in clinic and like understands formulation, but also as a chair of like dietitian association, like understands the do's and don'ts, right? And what high quality and low quality is. So it's really great to like work with them on product development. After we'd done all of that, um, I then was looking for investment and I brought a product to the founder of Planet Organic. 
and it's one of my favorite customers Renee. Renee. Renee yeah, yeah, yeah do you know her yeah I, I don't know her but I've seen her speak many a time she's, she's great. great you should get her on the podcast by yeah. the way um, for, for, for stuff like this for what I'm about to tell you actually I happily intro you she's great. so cool and yeah. so interesting yeah, and so is. informed mm. um, she's a really clever woman yeah. um, she said that um, so so firstly I turn up at this like random place that she's picked it was like super weird uh, like an army barrack type thing in the middle of London I was like it's like the least American thing is it's like so like old white English I don't know what I'm doing here anyway um, and she's like quite American and you know yeah. like confident and anyway um, I turned up with my original receipt of my supplements right it was 120 pounds <laughs> right. and i showed her 120 quid that i'd spent on these and then i showed her what i'd put in like our smart supplement for heights and i was like our product here because of all the choices we've made no caking agents like blah 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 and um, 40 pounds a month and from 30 depending on your subscription compared to 120 pounds in planet organic and not only that the amount of pills i'd have to take right like for the same amount because of where we sourced our ingredients and she and not only found it hilarious, because it's a bit of a rogue move, right? She not only found it hilarious, she's literally been a customer ever since of our product with her five, like her, her husband, her three kids, and her brother, basically. She bought subscriptions for all of them, has done for like 16, 17 months now. So like literally was one of our first ever customers. Does customer reviews for us. This is how funny she is. This is how YOLO she is. She does customer reviews for us saying that our product is better than anything in Planet Organic. No way. <laughs> um, and we only sell on our website because you can't sell in retail at this price. Because the thing is, if you sell in retail, again, sorry, slight me out of it. If you sell in retail, um, you know, you have to give 50% of the margin to the company. So like, let's just play out a theoretical here. If you sell a product for 20, if you sell a supplement in Boots for 20 pounds, Boots take about £10 of it. There's 17% VAT on supplements. So 17% of that's gone. You're down to about £7.50. From the £7.50, you're taking like 30 or 60 pills a month. So work that out. And then also imagine that the company might want to make a profit. You know, there's like virtually nothing left. You know, so the numbers don't work. So selling direct to consumer means you can sell a product for 40, but it's really got the value of about 120. It just means you get a personal relationship with your customers. So have this like joke with her. But the thing that she educated me on, and she's not vegan, right? So it's worth saying, like, because I, I had this sort of assumption that our product would be so much more interesting to vegans and plant-based people because they weren't getting the nutrients. So this, in my opinion, anyway, as someone who is like absolutely and has been for the last 20 years at the forefront of like the highest quality food sourcing in the whole country. Um, and she's like, I take it because I know that I can't get the nutrients I want out of my food. I want to, and I could maybe 20 years ago, but I know that I can't now. And so for me, like my diet, my diet choice, omnivore, mostly plant-based, but omnivore, actually irrelevant because whatever I picked, I would not be able to get all the actual nutrients that I need out of it. And I was like, I can't believe, anyway, you should do a whole episode on that because how interesting is this idea of um, eating great food, but sadly because of the way, even at Plant Organic, the way that we farm our food, like it's so deplete of the vitamins that we actually need. It's bonkers. It's, it's interesting. So uh, we, um, we've done a couple of episodes with uh, farmers and um, I had a, um, she, she did a, a major in, in particle physics and very, very clever uh, woman. And um, we were talking about the microbial diversity in the soil and how the degradation of that is going to lead to poor nutrient value in the actual plant and how with the excess use of harsh agropetrochemicals, um, 
it's degrading the quality of our of our food and it's quite a scary thought that we're going to have to we're going to have to rely on supplementation to bring the population to a level of um sufficiency when it comes to uh, micronutrients it's sad you know it's worth saying like we uh but i think that's quite it's quite unsettling for a lot of people to hear that because well it i mean 100 percent, right as in this that is really not good news i think the flip side that's interesting on on supplementation price though as well is you know and our products like definitely premium right as in most people again if you like it goes from 30 pounds a month so it goes from one pound a day it's two ways of looking at that. Like one pound a day might sound too expensive, but one pound a day is also not much compared to, I mean, obviously London coffee is a silly example, right? <laughs> yeah. But what are all the things that you can buy for one pound a day that aren't actually as good as giving your body like all of the nutrients, body and brain, the nutrients that you need that day to thrive according to science. Like that's actually quite cheap if you look at it on that basis. The problem is the comparison basis isn't the everyday things. The comparison basis is A, the cost of other supplements, and B, like you have rightly pointed out, it's on top of the food. It's on top of the things that I was already doing to, I hope, be healthy. That can be quite frustrating for people. Yeah, I think so. And I think also um, we're comparing it to to the same sort of food and, and nutrition category, whereas actually when you look at other premium products, whether it be a phone or skincare or, you know, the premium shampoo that you use and stuff. I think we're more willing to pay for those sorts of things. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because uh, this has been our big challenge. So our big challenge at Heights is this is a launch product. So our first product is a smart supplement for brain health and mental well-being, right? So just like a quick explanation of what that is. We put the 20 key nutrients that your brain needs to thrive from omega-3s on the outside, EPA and DHA, omega-3 in the scientific dosages, of course. Um, that's on an outer capsule, the inner capsule, like basically 18 key nutrients in, again, the right dosages. And what's really cool about what we do, I don't know if I've ever told you this, we update our formula all the time. Really? So oh, I didn't know um, that. Yeah, so basically, um, and, and we find really smart ways to do new things. I'm, I'm super excited about this. So... Um, if you buy a supplement that sits in a cupboard, right? It sits in a store shelf for two years. We make all of ours too fresh to order based on three-month predictions of growth. And the reason, one of the reasons we do that is because actually ingredient manufacturers constantly upgrade the potency of their ingredients. So just to give you one example, our blueberry extract, which is from an like Italian farm, we also source it from all over the world. So our algae oil is from, because it's all plant-based, obviously, um, but our algae oil is from Nova Scotia in Canada because that's like where the best quality algae gets made. So that's where we source it from and it's all sustainable, etc. But the blueberry extracts from Italy, so like the Italian farms there. What happens when they, um, when, to improve their formula, basically get more potency. When you get more potency, you take up less space. A capsule can only have so much space. So the thing with Heights is our product's two capsules a day because you can't fit everything into just one. That's impossible. We fit it into two. And what that means is when you do have something like um, your blueberry extract getting more potency, so our, which it's an antioxidant, so anthocyanin, but we have the equivalent of 25 blueberries a day because that's how many you should have for promoting healthy brain function, right? So you have the exact right amount of antioxidant that equates to 25 blueberries. When that amount can shrink, it makes some space. And when it makes some space, you can do things like up the vitamin C. And so like you can constantly tweak the formula. And the new thing that we're doing, which is super cool, I'm really excited about, in the next batch, 
um, is actually we're injecting more vitamin D into the outer capsule because now of all the scientific studies with, with COVID. So what we learned about our own customers is that they were taking heights, but they were also, after they'd done blood tests and recommended to see dietitians, so like the more informed ones, we're finding out that they should also take more vitamin D because COVID, right? It's become the new thing, as you know, there's lots of evidence around it. So that's given us a really good use case to say, well, we, we can literally fit in more vitamin D now. We just haven't because we're trying to go on what the science says. But as the science gets updated and the ingredient manufacturers enable you this, like it's really cool to have a dynamic product. So instead of constantly bringing out new products all the time, we use it like a tech company approach to say we can continually improve the product we have with the information available with changes, right? When we started, COVID was never a thing. So the vitamin D thing was you put in the right amount for brain health, not the right amount for COVID. But if you have the space and you can do a two in one and it's helpful for people and the science is there and the recommendations are there, you can do it. So that's like one of the cool things that we do that I'm That's like, a really cool it's, software analogy. It's I, cool, I appreciate right? As, that. Yeah, no one, no one does that. So we think that's really cool. We just never talk about it yeah. um, ever. And the reason we don't talk about it, except for like on a podcast like this, is because if you land on the Heights website, and this was the point I was going to say, if you land on the Heights website, um, what is the most important thing that we can communicate to you? It isn't that we're a better supplement than other supplements. It isn't that we have this incredible, like we source ingredients from all over the world. It isn't that we update the ingredients. It's that you don't know that you don't take care of your brain. Like most of us take our brains for granted. And so the single most important thing that we can do on the Heights website is help you understand how taking care of your brain is an important thing to do. That's the goal at Heights. And the reason we think about like our messaging hierarchy, right, is like the the reality is if you are... um, you use the analogy of skincare, right? You said skincare earlier. Most people are looking for quick fixes, as we discussed earlier. The thing that skincare is awesome at, skincare, hair care, oral care, nail care, like these are industries where we've grown up with and we understand that a little bit every single day stops the decay, keeps us vibrant, keeps us fresh. It's for longevity. These industries have done an amazing job at saying, you're not going to put on cream today and glow tomorrow. Like that's not how it works. But like a bit of moisturizing every day, you'll have good skin. You'll get less wrinkles when you're older in 20 years. No industries do that. Like no industries are good at explaining the long-term benefits, right? And then trying to prove them out. That's where we defined brain care. So we're like, there is no industry. Like brain health makes people just think of Alzheimer's. Mental health just makes people think of psychological diseases and problems that are incurable or have to go to therapy. And like, it's so broad. It's, it's a stigmatized term, sadly. And people do not, they react in such unpredictable ways to the term. So we're like, let's define our own category. Let's make it brain care, which is essentially the wellness version of skin care for looking after your brain, which is that a little bit every single day will make a dramatic imp- impact on your life over the short term and long term. And so we start with this supplement. We have like a whole, a whole company vision is on creating product services, content and community that are all around the different various angles around brain care, right? So um, that's the thing that like motivates us every day. And that's why, you know, we say we're not a supplement company, even though we make a supplement is one of the reasons why we don't focus on PR, comms. Um, shitting on competitors or do you know, like there's nothing like I say the stuff on the website sorry I say the stuff on a podcast if we're talking about it but it's not on the website it's not important to communicate to a customer the important thing is your brain 
probably, and we did do a study on this with 2,000 participants, 99% of people did not follow anywhere close to a brain-healthy diet, so the mind diet, right? 99% of people out of 2,000 in the UK. So unless you're in that 1%, you probably do not look after your brain's health on a daily basis, and products like this can help. That's really the job to communicate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a very simple message and, uh, and really important. And it, again, it kind of circles back to what we were talking about earlier about community and how that's difference to an audi- uh, the difference between that and an audience. I wanted to circle back even further, actually, and go and discuss your own personal issues with, with mental health because... It wasn't. It didn't start with insomnia, did it? It was there. There were some other issues. Yeah, well, I've had I've had a few. So it's it's interesting because I've had a few uh, which I've sort of unpacked more after the fact. So the most obvious one was depression, but it was after my father passed away. So I think that's pretty normal. And I think this is what we're saying as well. You know, we're speaking in Mental Health Awareness Week. Obviously, it's not going to be published this week, but I think it's really worth saying how. like to me, a lot of the mental health diseases that, or issues that I faced, like I don't feel weird about having them. I feel like almost in a way of if I didn't, then like how human would I be? I feel like, you know, mental health spectrum, downs as well as ups is extremely part, extremely important part of the rich tapestry of life. And it's nice to avoid them 100%. Like it's nice to avoid pain in our lives, 100%. But I do think that... Um, we're doing such a better job now, like destigmatizing this stuff a hundred percent. But I do think it's odd that we even need to destigmatize some of these things, right? So having depression after like your best friend in the world, which was my dad, passes away for six months. I mean, I almost like would look back on that and be surprised if I didn't, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I remember having conversations with with patients actually about um, you know, their experiences after bereavement. And a lot of people actually with the knowledge that they are that they're experiencing depression symptoms will seek antidepressants because it's seen as something that is no longer acceptable in society to experience because we have these medications and we should we should be at a level of uh um happiness or contentment the whole time whereas in reality what what people experience as i'm sure your experience was is a normal reaction to a bereavement, a normal reaction to uh, an issue that's going to affect everyone throughout their life. That, that's it, right? And that, that's exactly my thinking is that it's normal. So, you know, one of the things is I've had, I had chronic anxiety with my insomnia. Um, and again, it's worth saying, like reflecting, you know, at the time I was taking supplements that weren't heights, like they were what's in heights eventually, right? But I was religiously taking these supplements and I remember being so stressed building out the newsletter into like, you know, is anyone going to invest in us? Like, where are we going to find a supplier? Like who, you know, who's going to help us? You know, it's before I knew Tara, Sophie or anyone, right? Just like stress, imposter, like, where am I, what am I doing? How am I going to do this? All those questions. And I remember being like reflecting, I mean, I'm so, so, so less anxious. It's unbelievable. As in, I'm having these questions, but I'm not like breaking out in hot sweats. I'm not really uncomfortable the whole time. I like, really remember reflecting at the time at how much I felt that supplements had massively impacted my anxiety. Now, that being said, um, that was after an impact of like chronic anxiety, right? So real hot and cold sweats, panic attacks, etc., which I did get. And I've had it in a board meeting, which is just unbelievably funny and embarrassing right, at the same right, time. Yeah. Um, funny to reflect on, embarrassing at the time. Yeah. Um, the, the normal sense of anxiety, again... If you're an entrepreneur, like, or you work in any industry where you have to think about the future, 
how could you not be anxious? That's my question. As in, like, I think anxiety is not part of everyone's life, but needs to be normalized as well to an extent. Now, chronic, like I suffered badly, that that, that is unlivable with, so it needs to be treated and you need to find solution. General anxiety, um, my personal experience of it, again, just sort of makes me human, right? I think Eckhart Tolle has this like fantastic statement on stress and anxiety where he says, um, stress and anxiety is a symptom of being here, but wanting to be there. But you can never be there. That's a fact. You can never ever be there. You can only be here. Mm. So the sooner you realize that, the less you'll spend time being anxious about the future. And I was like, uh, that, yeah. It's so goddamn true. Like yeah. we spend so much time forecasting the future, but I don't know if you've read The Power of Now. I, I've read it. I need to reread it. It's uh, just, you've just reminded me it's now. Just so helpful. <laughs> yeah. and, and for anyone, for anyone listening that has issues with anxiety, The Power of Now is such a powerful, but every sentence just yeah. reminds you of the insanity as he des- he defines it. You know, we literally live in an insane person's world. What we've normalized in society is insane because the only sanity is living in the now because it is the only reality. Like we can't wish it was the past. We can't wish it was the future. None of that would change anything. So the sanest thing to do is to accept that you're in the present moment. And like these thoughts, the way that he articulates them, they do really help. I find them very powerful. Um, So yeah. The other one I think is worth saying, um, which I only reflected on like a long time after. So only in the last six months was that I actually had bulimia um, and I didn't realize it. And it was very interesting because I I had it for like 10 years, maybe more from like 17 to, yeah, like, you know, 25, 26. And I went to the doctor a lot for it. Um, but, but, and here's a technical thing. I actually asked Sophie about this. I technically can't call it bulimia because I never made myself throw up. So I had, and this is where it's interesting, like a psychological mental health reaction to it. So I grew up fat and then I went on a massive diet, lost all my weight. But then from like the age of 17, like I only ever saw myself as a fat person. I've never put my fingers down my throat ever, but there was just this period where I couldn't keep food down and not all my meal, but like most of it. And it, you know, it became a completely normal part of my life. It was totally something I was able to live with. But, you know, as we were talking about before we started recording, you know, I mentioned I had a pneumomediastinum, like a, th- a hole in my throat from acid reflux had torn my, um, my throat so badly. Oh, it's eroded it so badly. I once had a coughing fit and it was the final little tear that happened. Wow. Um, that's very, I've never heard of that. Super niche. Yeah. But as I went, Cause that, that, that demonstrates just how chronic an issue this must have been. Right. And, and this thing, I went to plenty of doctors and, uh, and, and I had all the gastroenterology exams and they never found a problem with me. And that was the most annoying thing. Cause you're like, I'm, I'm literally sitting here telling you I've, I'm over embarrassment. Like I throw up, I throw up this morning. I'll throw up at lunch. I'm not trying to like, it's got to be something. And then they were like, I mean, it has to be psychological. Like there is nothing physically wrong with your body. So on, on reflection, when they were saying to you, this has to be psychological, what was your reaction to that? I ignored it. Didn't think about it as mental health. I honestly cannot begin to express. Do you know what my trigger was? I did a newsletter on, I did a, a newsletter because I was interviewing Rhiannon Lambert. And so I was like reading more about nutrition and stuff. And I literally was like, I'm going to just do a newsletter on, on nutrition. It's the fastest way for me to learn because I have to force myself for a day to just sit there and write this newsletter and read. So I was like, that'd be the best way of doing it. And I was reading this stuff and I was like, huh, 
wait a minute, that's kind of like what I did. And I just went on this like rabbit hole and I suddenly was like, oh my God, that's like so ridiculous that I basically just passed that off as like this inconvenient experience over a decade, <laughs> pretty much. Whereas actually, you know, that was a mental health problem that I never labeled as one, never came to terms with. It's basically bulimia, but you know, if Sophie's listening, yes, I heard you, it's not bulimia. I didn't put my fingers down my throat, don't worry. But you know, there isn't like a term for it. But yeah, I just did not register. So only on reflection. And I think that's one of the interesting things about mental health is how you can live with something and not even know you've got it, so to speak. Like this sort of awareness is not there. It's just what you're doing. And life is uncomfortable for many of us. And so sometimes you count your blessings that like this is your greatest discomfort because there are much worse ones, right? That's kind of how I approach everything, whatever happens to me. So I imagine over like the 10-year period, I was just like, well, at least I can eat. You know, so really interesting, you know, like I've got a friend with Crohn's, right? Like my existence of like throwing it up is a lot better than his existence yeah. of like not being able to eat whole food. Did you ever get to the root cause of why that was happening? No, it just, it just stopped eventually. It just, it just stopped. Yeah. Like, By the what? time I was 30, I wasn't doing it anymore, but it was almost all, all of my twenties. Wow. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Wow. That's uh... so a myriad, a myriad of, uh, of, of mental health conditions. But like, do you know what? Like, honestly, the worst one full stop was insomnia. And the reason for that was because I couldn't explain it. I mean, it, it, sleep deprivation is one of the worst things that people can enjoy. I mean, I think it's uh, something that's banned as, as uh, uh, what? Oh, smoking it? cigarettes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you can't do experiments where you deprive people of sleep for more than a certain amount right I mean, it's exactly. a very small amount yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? well that, that's the thing so like when i ask sleep experts and yeah. stuff uh you know as well i did a great one on sleep and nutrition on clubhouse actually and they both agreed like you know what's worse um not eating uh, for a period of time or not sleeping you die if you yeah. you die much faster if you don't sleep yeah i mean we're we're evolutionarily adapted to famine so we we can actually withstand a long period of time comparatively yep. without food but if you deprive of a sleep then yeah it's fascinating uh, yeah though. it is it is absolutely fascinating well, also just again like because we still don't want why we sleep i mean like <laughs> there are so, so many totally. questions as to why why in a world where we're constantly surrounded by predators yeah that we would have a drive to sleep for 12 hours a day ideally 12 hours a day yeah you know it's it's or maybe not 12 hours but you know nine nine to ten hours yeah a lot i was gonna say if you sleep 12 hours I'm jealous. Um, <laughs> i only got seven hours last night so. yeah yeah so that happens a decent amount it's, it's okay it's okay it's reasonable yeah yeah um but yeah i think you know and again it's so interesting because that is the number one um, you know, again, we were talking earlier on, um, on quality yeah. as well. That's the number one bit of feedback we get on our product, yeah. which is like nice for me. Cause it started with insomnia, yeah. right? So yeah, for yeah, me, yeah. I'm like, well, I already know that use case, yeah. but it's good to know that like other people like feel that too. So I think it's re like really interesting again, the, the like lack of, um, knowing how nutrition can impact something like sleep and, and all of these things play out. Right. So, you know, People recognize the sleep thing the most, um, but actually what does more sleep then give you? Well, more energy in the day. Well, then what does more energy in the day give you? Well, more productivity, like clearer thoughts, more ability to like rise up and think about the thing. So I think, you know, these things are like obviously an upward cycle system. And um, I think one of the things that's like fascinating in, in supplements, like in, in the area in general is 
I guess ours is quite rare in the sense that like, because we designed it specifically with an outcome in mind, right? So when you buy supplements, you buy omega-3, vitamin D, you buy all these niche, like random ones, multivitamin, right? It's like, you know, what's, what, you know, if you ask people that aren't doctors or aren't informed, like, why are you buying that? It's hard for someone to say why. Just in case. Yeah, it's, like, it's well, I heard, I, heard I should or whatever. Yeah, yeah. When you design something for brain health, mental well-being, like, it's very specific. You're choosing ingredients that, like, the papers contribute, like, there's a good reason why and then what's really interesting at that point is like then outcome becomes the predictable expectation so as an example um and i'm very 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 proud of this but like we're the number one rated supplement on Trustpilot now um which is pretty good going after just 18 months in in the world um the reason because they told us this I mean, you can see it's all public. So the thing about Trustpilot is like, you can't fake it. Like, you know, people basically, you know, give good, all the bad reviews you get go up. Like there is no, like, can you take this down? It's brutal Trustpilot. Um, So one of the interesting things is like most of the reviews of other supplement brands on Trustpilot are all about the product service or, um, sorry, the service or the people or the brand, right? Great brand, good communication, lovely customer service, et cetera. All of our reviews are about, it's been helping me sleep better. This has got rid of my brain fog. Like absolutely, you know, it's like actual detail outcomes that people are feeling from being on a product. That is like ideal. And that's so rare in supplements. And like, why does that happen? A, communicating with your audience that are buying, like that this isn't a quick fix. So like setting expectations, like one to three months, right? So one to three months, like give it some time and patience. That's super important. So again, we're not here for the quick buck. Like we turn away people. Don't buy it if that's what you're expecting today. It's going to waste your time. So setting the expectation and then obviously like the sourcing, the quality ingredients and making sure there's like an impact in someone's life and actually following up with them. So that's a really cool thing about, you know, having a, well, I was mentioning earlier about being an outsider in an industry, like you can approach the whole thing differently, right? So like how we make it, how we communicate with customers, the fact that we don't sell it in retail, we only sell it on our website so that we can keep the margins down but give back to the customers, designing the, the packaging, the bottle completely differently through the letterbox. All of these things are like, I mean, then obviously like, you know, the, the email communication that comes with it, right? So actually explaining to people where they are on their journey, how they can improve other things that they can do for their brain care. 90% of the comms that we share with our audience are things we can't monetize. Like they're free, yes. right? You know, it's Mental Health Awareness Week this week. Like all we're doing is talking about going out in nature and going for a walk. There's no like take a supplement. It's irrelevant. It's literally an irrelevant conversation for this week. It's like we know that the most important thing we can do is make people feel good. So all of our social activity is based around helping people understand go for a walk, helping people understand to breathe, right? If they're feeling anxious, like these are you can't monetize breath. Yeah. Unless you're James Messer. <laughs> um, <laughs> but otherwise it's difficult. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the episode. I will see you here next time and do check out those links on thedoxiskitchen.com. You'll find the lecture by Professor David Smith of Oxford University talking about vitamins and dementia and also a whole bunch of other links that Dan has actually uh, written, including blog articles and the uh, posts that went viral on LinkedIn and Twitter. I'll see you here next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.